Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. In the introduction, you heard the word needs. The needs in the world are great. Uh, The needs in our country are great. And so we are equipped by the Lord Jesus Christ to meet those spiritual needs, but many times we're also able to meet physical needs, emotional needs. But more than any other need in the world, it is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that's what Exploring Missions is about, to try to encourage you as a follower of Christ to live in the fullness of Christ, but also to share the good news of Jesus, uh, as we say, across the street or around the world. And so today on Exploring Missions, we're going to look at some needs that are real in the lives of people uh, in a country that is uh, having some difficulty at this time. And so we want to get to that. But Nathan, the needs um, that are in the world, uh, it's always been that way, but sometimes it seems like they're amplified. And it seems like we're living in that time, amplification of, of needs spiritually, but emotionally, physically, in every way. Yeah, I think it's a lot harder these days to uh, put your head in the sand and turn away from uh, the things going on around us. Uh, probably a lot of reasons for that. But one of the reasons, I believe, is that God is calling out his church to uh, take an active role in, uh, in what he is doing around the world. Um, you know, the world is not, you know, really far away anymore. It's it's just, you know, there's easy access uh, and we can have connection with people all over the world, uh, right there at our fingertips. And so, you know, with that comes the responsibility to to be active in what God is doing, to be aware, uh, to be on our knees in prayer through that, uh, to stand with our brothers and sisters, uh, to support them. Uh, and even, you know, what specific roles do we take uh, in, in God's mission around the world um, it, it starts and, and never goes further than prayer, but sometimes there's even more that we can do um, beyond prayer. But today we want to really focus on how we can pray for those needs uh, that seem to be, like you said, seem to be growing and the problems that seem to be multiplying. On Exploring Missions, we do our best to let you know uh, that you can be involved. And as Nathan has just said, prayer is a vital part. It's not something you do incidentally. You do this on purpose. And uh, Jesus left us here, and we're to be people of prayer. Matter of fact, I tell people the most important position in every local church are the prayer warriors. I do believe that. And uh, so you can be that prayer warrior uh, for your church, but for the nation's. One of my mentors uh, in my past was Dr. Bobby Moore, and uh, he pastored in the Memphis, Tennessee area, and I would visit him, and he would come to the church here where I pastored, and we would talk, and one of the prayers was he would say, give Bert a vision for world missions, 
And uh, I, I didn't always have that, but God has raised it up for the connections that I've had to give a heart for that. And that's why we're having one of the, our guests today is because uh, he has blessed our lives on here on Explored Missions. He's been on before, and we wanted an update, and that is Maurice Singh. Maurice, thank you for coming again. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. And the ministry that he's a part of, his father and his mother began that, and his mother is still involved in it. His dad has gone to be of the Lord Jesus in glory, but looking unto Jesus. And uh, I don't know of any other people that I've met that look unto Jesus more thoroughly than this family that I've grown to love and, and appreciate. But Maurice, today uh, you're here. You're in the in the U.S. here and visiting with us today, and uh, but yet your home country is India, and uh, things are happening over there. And we were wanting a little bit of an update, if we could, because I noticed the other day when I was looking at some of the people who keep up with the persecution that's going on around the world. Uh, they put India in the top 10. So things are different a little bit now, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, we have faced persecution all our lives from the day I was born. With my family being in the ministry, uh, we have dealt with persecution, and uh, it was a part of everyday life for me. But this past year, the past two years, has changed a lot. Uh, it is very different than the kind of persecution that uh, we have dealt with all our lives. Uh, in fact, uh, in the past, a lot of the persecution that we used to face was isolated incidents uh, by different groups. But now there is a much more united force. In fact, uh, a lot of it is state-sponsored and uh, it is very, very different than what it has been in the past. Um, and uh, Christians are in danger than they ever have been in the past. Yeah, you know, usually when we talk about persecution, you can kind of generalize things um, to, to kind of two, uh, two different types of persecution. One is... Uh, like top-down, state-sponsored, uh, the government um, forcing things on people or uh, withholding services from certain people, um, you know, that sort of thing. And then you have a more of a bottom-up, grassroots type where it's usually localized, um, maybe seeming, uh, seeming to be more random, uh, different groups from time to time bringing persecution. Um, and so... Um, it's all persecution, and it's not easy no matter how you're facing it. But it is – it is. there has been a change in India to see uh, – there's always been that grassroots in different pockets. Uh, but seeing the state uh, behind some of this more recent um, and not just a passive role, um, whether that's you know denying visas for people or um, turning a blind eye when – when other groups um, carry out some some kind of thing, but they're actually taking more of an active role, and that's uh, that's kind of scary. Uh, we wanna we wanna know how to pray in that way, and that's part of what this program's about. 
Uh, Nathan really does make this point that we're one body. Uh, we tend to, and this is a word that's been used thrown around a lot, they segregate the church even, and I'm not talking this about the old-fashioned race. We're just talking about the persecuted church, the 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 non-persecuted. But we're the Bible says we're a body, and uh, we're to weep together and we're to rejoice together. So we're here today to uh, bind the body together to say we are loving and caring and support. So Maurice, uh, as best you can, Kind of, you, you talked about it. You've always say, you know, suffered persecution, but it's worse. Kind of take us through a journey of that and why it's worse right now. Well, um, I think uh, COVID had a role to play. Um, it is interesting how uh, things turned out in India with COVID. Uh, with me being here in the United States during this COVID crisis, uh, it has given me a completely different perspective as to how people have responded to it here in the West and how things have turned out in the East and countries like India. One of the things that has happened in India is uh, it is not only the sickness of COVID where people became sick and the medical crisis. Uh, one of the things that has happened is uh, the government has taken advantage of it. Uh, the people in India have been forced into several lockdowns, and in many areas, these lockdowns were imposed by law enforcement and military on the streets, where, where they were literally confined in their homes. And during this time, it was a perfect opportunity for these extreme groups to do things that they want to do, but not have an eyewitness. And one of the things that, is, that started happening in the beginning of the pandemic was a lot of people were forced into uh, lockdowns. And about a year ago, a lot of people were sent into quarantine facilities maintained by the government. And uh, a lot, one of the things that happened was with a lot of Christian communities, uh, they never saw them again after those quarantines and those events. A lot of Christian communities have gone missing during these times. And uh, that was the beginning uh, with when the pandemic began. But that has progressed into a more bold, uh, aggressive approach by the government they have started demolishing a lot of churches and they have started uh, uh, imposing restriction on people, taking away even the freedom to worship in their homes. Uh, we have an orphanage and uh, just in our when area. When we say we, it's looking under Jesus yes, Ministries yes, Orphanage, right? Yes, uh, And uh, just where we are located in a radius of 50 miles in the last three months, there have been about 16 churches that have been demolished. Mm. And uh, a lot of these churches were demolished with uh, police protection and government officials standing and watching to make sure it's being done. A lot of pastors are being killed. Uh, it is estimated that in our state alone, 
Uh, every month, there is an average of 70 pastors that get killed. And so it has escalated a lot in the last few months. And uh, the extreme groups have been barging into Christian homes where because a lot of the church churches were demolished, people have resorted to worshiping at home as, you know, Christians gather together in homes and they started worshiping. And there have been instances where um, these officials barge into homes and literally beat them up for doing that. And uh, in a lot of rural areas, the freedom to even have worship with your family at home has been taken away. Uh, and people have been beaten up for doing that. And in fact, uh, about four months ago, uh, one of our own pastor that has been working with us for about 15 years was killed uh, while he was having a prayer meeting with a family in a home. A group of extremists uh, barged into the home, and they just started beating everybody up, and they ran, uh, all the people ran away. And eventually they cornered our pastor. Uh, his name was Isaac. And they beat him to death with iron rods. And so it is very, very diffi- different now than it has ever been before. And uh, that is just the beginning of what has been happening over the last few months. A lot of Christian organizations are being targeted by the government itself. And uh, a lot of them are being shut down. And in fact, some of the most prominent, well-known organizations are being shut down in the last few months. And their licenses are being taken away. And they're going to homes of people that run uh, these ministries. And they're personally threatening them, uh, tracking down where their children are, where their grandchildren are, and indirect threats are being made by saying, we know your children are go here, they go to school here, they work here, and literally threatening cri- uh, cr- people that are running ministries to shut down the ministry. In fact, uh, apparently they can... These ministries, uh, many times, are is helping the people. Yes. They're, they're helping, uh, you know, it... They're hurting themselves in doing this, right? Yes. Uh, But uh, the government is using that to brainwash people to say that uh, we are doing these acts of kindness and love with the ulterior motive of converting them. And in fact, the word uh, the government uses is forced conversion. And so... That is what basically they are accusing Christians of, is that uh, Christians are forcefully converting people to become a Christian by using means of charity or uh, by using means of love or by using means of giving aid to other people. They claim that Christians are forcefully converting. So that's the... uh that's the story that the government is is telling, and you know you can speak as much as you're comfortable to to speak on this. Um, what's the real reason that the government is taking such an active role in uh, instigating so much persecution? And I understand uh, in the as a whole in the country of India, 
uh, it's not just targeted to Christians, although they might be receiving the the biggest brunt of the uh, of the persecution. I know Muslim groups and other basically non-Hindu groups are being targeted as well. Um, what is the real part behind all this? Well, um, it's multifaceted. Uh, I, of course, uh, it's not just Christians, but uh, I think the other largest group that's being targeted in India is Muslims as well. But you see how Muslims respond is very different from how the Christian community responds. In many ways, they're cautious with how they deal with the Muslim community because uh, when some when something is done, they're not going to keep quiet. They respond with violence and oftentimes ends up in bloodshed. So, but with the Christian community, they feel like you know they can take advantage because uh, the church has always taken a peaceful approach in India, uh, even in the midst of this. A lot of Christian leaders in India have come forward saying that uh, whatever it is, that we are going to deal with it in a peaceful manner and not a violent manner like some other groups. Uh, but but uh, there are several ulterior motives, uh, especially when it comes to Christians. First of all, I think it is the element of insecurity. I think... Uh, uh, the leaders in India are aware that uh, I think the number, the population of Christian people is larger than what the census would prove in India because uh, I think there are a lot of secret Christians that are even in government positions and that are rich business people. There are a lot of Christian, uh, secret Christians among these various groups. And the government is beginning to realize that and they feel threatened. In fact, one of the propagandas the government uses is that uh, if we don't take action now, the Hindu community will become a minority in India one day. Mm-hmm. And so it is the element of insecurity uh, about Five, seven years ago, there was a newspaper article that said one of the fastest growing was the Muslim community in in India. And probably in the next 25 years, if it continued in the same direction, there was a possibility that the Muslim population would go beyond 50% in India. And so the, the insecurity plays a role. And another element is a social reason, uh, especially with Christianity. You know, when we tell people about Jesus Christ and who he is and how he died on the cross for them, and they can come uh, to him and they have salvation through him and have eternal life through Jesus Christ, you know, the gospel empowers people. Uh, And they are threatened by that because, as you may know, uh, Hinduism, one of the basic structure of Hinduism is based on the caste system. And uh, I'm not going to go into too many details, but if you look at history and the social history of India, uh, the high caste, which is about 25% of the population, has controlled the remaining population for hundreds of years. But the Christian gospel has liberated that. Uh, today, we, 
you know, we rescue the low caste people and we give them an education, we give them a training uh, in whatever area they're interested in. But ultimately, it's the gospel that liberates them to realize I am equal to everybody else because God created me to be equal in front of everybody. Even though society may call me a low caste person, I, in front of Christ, I am equal to anybody else. And so there is a sense of liberation that happens in the hearts of these low caste people. And with education and better jobs, they come into the mainstream society and they do well and they're having high jo- paid jobs and they have high education and that threatens them a lot. They don't want that. In fact, when I grew up, you know, we, we rescue a lot of these kind of children from the low caste communities. Uh, and when people would come and persecute us or threaten us, uh, in fact, they, uh, they would come and talk with us because my family comes from a high caste community. And they would come and talk and they would say, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to show love to these low caste people? Uh, why don't you rescue the high caste children? And in fact, they would plead with us uh, and they would say, why don't you leave them where they are? Because, you know, Hindus believe in fate. And they say, if these children were born in these low caste communities in poverty and if they're starving to death, that is their fate. Why don't you just let them deal with their fate? So it is a twofold uh, answer. And, of course, there's a uh, political side to it where a lot of the modern persecution we deal with is politically motivated, where the government has taken these elements and they try to twist it up and brainwash people. You're listening to Exploring Missions here on AFR. And our guest today is Maurice Singh from Looking Unto Jesus Ministries and uh, he's here in the States, but what we're talking about is what's taking place in India. And uh, as we said earlier, if you've tuned in late, persecution in India has been around for years and years, but it's been in spots and areas. But in the last year or so, especially since uh, the pandemic started with the virus, uh, they've found opportunity to broaden that persecution. The word you use a lot, uh, and we hear it, is extremists. These are extremist Hindus. Now, tell me, I thought Hinduism was a peaceful religion, Maurice. It is. If you actually read a lot of their mantras and a lot of their Vedas, it does speak about peaceful ways and Uh, I think uh, one of the things that people also misunderstand is they try to look at Buddhism and and try to equate that with Hinduism. At the same time, if you actually do a study of the religion and if you study about their deities and uh, a lot of it, it is not peaceful, really. But... uh, but uh, that is the image that they have been trying to promote to globalize Hinduism over the last couple decades, uh, but and try to use uh, elements of Buddhism and mix it with Hinduism to say it is a religion of peace. But at the same time, there are a lot of peaceful, peace-loving people in India. 
it is these extreme uh, people that have been brainwashed from a religious perspective and a political perspective uh, that are being uh, used by leaders. Uh, they use these emotional touch points uh, and they try to use these people to persecute Christians. Nathan, when, when we hear this, our hearts are moved for our brothers and sisters. And I know we want to pray, so we want to pray and ask you to lead us in prayer for our brothers and sisters that are in India and they're suffering. But then we want to come back and when we have time a little bit and talk about what else we do. We want to pray, you know, but is there anything else? So be thinking about that. But Nathan, would you lead us, those of you that are listening, just pray along with Nathan as he, we pray for these brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, and I want to read first from 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 13 says, And who will harm you if you are passionate for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be disturbed, but set apart the Messiah as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. However, do this with gentleness and respect keeping your conscience clear so that when you are accused, those who denounce your Christian life will be put to shame. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray and lift up all of our brothers and our sisters, uh, countless numbers uh, that you know uh, that even the census can't, can't number, but there's so many in India who we stand with today and we lift up today. Um, Lord, we ask that you give them boldness, uh, but give them gentleness as well. Uh, give them uh, the good works uh, that you've uh, prepared for your people to do, even in the face of persecution, that those who are bringing in the persecution will see those good works, and they themselves will begin to glorify you. So we ask for strength for them, we ask for safety for them, and we ask that you um, do your work, bring about your will, what, what your purposes are uh, in, the, in the land of India among so many people. Uh, so many groups have not yet even heard the good news of Jesus proclaimed to them yet. Lord, we know that's on your heart. And so we pray that even uh, through this persecution, through this increase of violence and, and hatred, um, Lord, that you will bring about uh, a stronger witness, a greater witness in that, in that wonderful country among those beautiful brothers and sisters. Lord, we specifically pray for Maurice and his family. Uh, Lord, would you bless them and would you protect them? Uh, but Lord, will you be glorified in all these things? In Jesus' name we pray. Maurice, besides prayer, is there anything else we as followers of Christ can do for India? Yes. Um, I think prayer is the most vital uh, element. And as you mentioned, brother, um, I would say the biggest thing that you can do is, you know, stand united and encourage fellow believers uh, like us. Because sometimes in a country like India, you can feel alone, and uh, it is always encouraging to have people behind this 
pray that you'll stand with Maurice. Thank you for your ministry looking unto Jesus, and we do look unto him. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions.